chain code has been encoded in this armor for 25 years. Is that you? Chewie! You can understand that thing? And that thing can understand you too, so watch it. Chewie, you think you can repair him? Chewie, what are you doing here? Chewie and I'll take care of this. You stay here. How you doing, Chewbacca? Chewie! Chewbacca. Oh, no, Chewbacca. And you too, Chewbacca. Chewie! Where's my boyfriend? Welcome to episode 34 of Force Time. My name is Travis, and today I am here with... Hello, Kara is back. Kara is back. I'm here. Hello. (laughs) Kara is back. It's been a little bit. It's been probably, what, uh, over a month after a couple months of doing this pretty regularly, like every other week or so for the Mandalorian episode. So yeah, good to have you back. We've been planning this one for a long time. We've been talking about doing this. And today we are rolling out a new series called Chain Code that we are going to deep dive into different characters in this series. And I'm guessing if you're listening to a Star Wars podcast, you've probably seen The Mandalorian and probably have heard Chain Code before. And so just to break it down a little bit further, Chain Code is basically in The Mandalorian, a type of ID marker that is used to store biographical information. So in chapter one of The Mandalorian, they talk about Baby Yoda's, Grogu's Chain Code and that they only have two numbers from it and that it's his age. And then... In this season, season two, we get a little bit more with Boba Fett pulling up his chain code where we actually see it. And it like explains that he's the son of Jango Fett and this is his armor and everything. So we wanted to call it that when it clicked that we were going to call it this. I was so happy because I was like, wow, that's perfect. We're pretty much we're kind of doing a biography. We're we're really we're going to talk about some behind the scenes originations of each character, kind of how they evolved a little bit. And then we're going to mostly focus on the movies for these characters, because if we did it for the books and comics and everything, it would probably be like, have to be a five part series for every single character. And we want to do like more (laughs) characters instead of just focusing on one. So we will, uh, we'll we'll throw in a couple things here and there from the novels and the comics and everything. But for most of this, we're going to be kind of just talking about the saga movies. So one through nine solo rogue one, and then maybe even some, some TV shows too. So With that said, for our first episode, we decided to dive into everybody's favorite Wookiee, Chewbacca. And I have been bugging Kara about Chewbacca for a while now because he was my wild card. He was my wild card for season two of The Mandalorian. And we'll talk about Yunus Satamo soon, but that's kind of why 
when we first started talking about who should we do this like for the first character i just chewbacca was on the mind so so that's kind of kind of where we got to chewbacca with this <laughs> so also with this episode we did a little collaboration kind of like we've done a couple times with kara zine so kara do you want to kind of talk about that Yeah. So I figured, you know, whenever we do these special episodes, I loved last year, we did a episode of Force Time where we talked about our headcanons and paired it with a spread in that corresponding issue of my fanzine into a larger world. So I figured with this series with Chain Code, we could do something kind of similar. So this month for the first month of my fanzine that went out for the year, the bonus for subscribers was a mini zine that was all about Chewbacca. So it was, it's mostly pictorial, but I don't have a a lot of Chewbacca art, which I also realized, which is like just wrong in, in every way. So I was like, I need to uh, remedy that and we're going to do this at the same time. So it just kind of worked out perfectly. And yeah, so now there's a nice little Chewbacca mini zine that you will get if you subscribe to the zine this year. Yes. And definitely subscribe. We're going to put all that stuff in the show notes like we always do. Subscribe to Karazine. I should be getting my monthly one anytime. I'm excited to see that chewy one. But also you have a really good interview in this one. You also have it folds out. It's going to be very like state of the art zine this time too. So I'm very excited to see it. It's an intense so, issue. Yeah. yeah. It was, I, I like injured my finger from folding, but it, like, but it, in a good way, you know? Uh, yeah. It's a good yeah. one. Worth it for sure. But yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, Chewbacca, I think he's a character a lot of us just take for granted. When I started digging into Chewbacca and really paying attention more to his character and seeing the saga through his eyes, it really, I don't know, I feel like I've always taken him for granted because he's just always there. He's always the just the, the most wholesome character that we have in Star Wars. Right. But he has a lot of little nuances, a lot of other things that I'm really excited to talk about. So yeah, I'm very, very excited. I, I don't have, I have a, a Chewie shirt on right now, a solo shirt with Chewie on it. And I have a hat with Chewie on it too. And I didn't realize that he was on this hat, but yeah, yes. I do not have enough Chewie stuff. So I am definitely going to fix that as well. I really need like the Chewbacca Black series that I never got and everything. Yeah. So yes. So let's go ahead and start. and. First off, we're going to kind of start with a brief overview, just a description of how we see Chewbacca. And then we're going to go into behind the scenes stuff. We're going to talk about the actors who have portrayed him. And then we're going to get into the movies and kind of go era by era and really break Chewie down. Here, Chewie. I think we better replace the negative power coupling. So, Kara. Who is Chewbacca? Chewbacca is a Wookiee with a heart of gold from the planet Kashyyyk, which is the home world of the Wookiee race. Yes, I describe him as the Forrest Gump of Star Wars. Everyone says that Ahsoka is the Forrest Gump of Star Wars, where she shows up in all these eras. But truly, he is in every era of Star Wars, and he has met Yoda, Ahsoka, Mace Windu, Darth Vader, Jabba, Boba Fett, Enfys Nest, the Knights of Ren, like he has met everybody in the galaxy. Yeah, that's true. I think I feel like it's him and R2 as far as actually being able to remember it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yes, 100%. He has been, a, and, and corresponding with that, he's been a hero in every era of Star Wars. So he fought in the Clone Wars and in the Rebellion and in the Resistance. So he's also seen 
that whole like time of the galaxy as the the galaxy went through all these different conflicts. He was there for for all of them, which is also cool. And going with that, he also when we started looking at this, he has the sixth most minutes on screen of any Star Wars character throughout uh-huh. all the movies. So he is right up there. He's ahead of a lot of main characters, which obviously being in seven of the movies, eight of the movies that you're going to mm. be up there. But yeah, he's he's got a lot of screen time as well. That's true. And uh, yeah, Chewbacca speaks uh, Shriwook, which is a language that's like a series of grunts and growls. But he also speaks so much with his body language and his eyes. And I think that comes a lot from both Peter Mayhew and Eunice, which we'll talk about them, obviously, but because they're not do- they're not doing the voices there on set. That's all obviously added later. So they have to do so much of their acting with their eyes and their body language. And that's Definitely a huge yeah. part of the character. Yeah. Yeah. And the eyes is another thing I probably just took for granted. But if you really watch, this is going to sound weird, but if you really watch Chewie's eyes in all yeah. of his scenes, it's very, very intense. So yeah, he is also... Sure obviously co-pilot he is a best friend and he's always Mm -hmm. there to nudge han in the right direction and he's almost like that angel on his shoulder that is telling han you know han i think inherently is they talk about it i've talked about it in solo he's the good guy but Mm. chewy is always there in his ear to lead him in the right direction as well for sure so not only is he that angel but he's also it's worth mentioning a really fierce warrior um obviously we'll we'll get into that too but he does wield the bowcaster which is like a really intense weapon and he's also capable of arm removal and all other types of of uh of things but i think he uses his strength in in very intelligent ways you know he doesn't just go around ripping people's arms off but that's just another cool aspect of his personality <laughs> that he's low key, like incredibly strong. He uses it when he has to, for sure. He doesn't, I don't think he likes using it that strength. I think like, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I agree. But with he, that. He's good at doing that. And at the same time, he is, and he was described from the beginning by Peter Mayhew as a big teddy bear. And that's really, I think the heart of Chewbacca, like everybody wants to give Chewbacca a hug. Right. And that's, he's just, he just is at at his core, a big teddy bear. Yeah. I was watching a really great uh, little clip from, I guess it was probably the set of force awakens, but maybe it was last Jedi, but it was when it might've been last Jedi, but when uh, Prince William and Prince Harry went to visit the set and they're like giving them this tour and it's like kind of stuffy and everybody's obviously, they're like showing them like Neil Scanlon's like showing them a bunch of cool stuff, but it's very much like they're looking at the cool stuff, but then people are like watching them look at the cool stuff. So it's very like kind of stuffy and everything, but then they take them out and Chewbacca like comes out and Prince William like doesn't even hesitate, just goes and gives him like a huge hug. (laughs) And it's so cute. (laughs) Like It's so true. It just has that, he has that effect on everybody. He does. When we went to galaxy's edge last year and we ran into Chewbacca a couple times and my mom, that was the first thing. There was all these little kids around and stuff. So like she waited her turn. But when it was her turn, she went up and gave him a big hug. And it was the sweetest thing. I have a picture of it and everything. Just like 
just he's he's just the best just super super huggable for sure it's true he's also as we said the super wholesome and probably one of the least polarizing characters and aspects of star wars i don't think there's anyone that is anti chewy <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think you're I right hope, there i, I really hope like dear yeah. god come on <laughs> If there is, I have not met that person, and I no. have seen a lot of things on social media, and not once has have I seen someone complain no. about Chewie. And then also, the last thing about Chewie is that there are a ton of parallels with Chewie throughout the saga that I didn't even realize before really digging into it, but there's a lot of themes with Chewie. There's a lot of parallels between the movies and we will we will definitely get into all of those. But yeah, they they use them in a way that it's not super obvious. It's not just fan service, which is really great in my mind mm, that they're not yeah. just doing it for that. But the fact that some of this stuff keeps continuing to happen, I think is just super interesting. So I think that's our general overview of Chewie. That gives us a little bit a uh, little bit to go with here to to get into Chewie. So let's go ahead and start with the behind the scenes history. I loved Chewbacca, the character, because it was sort of epitomized a person's love for his dog. Come on, Chewie, let's check it out. And yet it's taking that one step further to not only wishing that you could communicate with your dog, but being successful and being able to understand them. Hey, you keep that up, buddy. Let's go ahead and start with the origin and Kara, can you kind of tell us what George Lucas was thinking when he came up with Chewbacca? Yeah, so George, I think this is a pretty popular story, or it's like kind of like a a popular anecdote about the beginnings of Star Wars. But Chewbacca was inspired by George's dog named Indiana. Um, so here's a quote, uh, I quote from George. I had an Alaskan Malamute when I was writing the film, a very sweet dog. She would always sit next to me when I was writing. And when I drive around, she'd sit in the front seat. A Malamute is a very large dog, like 130 pounds, bigger than a human being and very long haired. So you picture George, the end quote. So you picture George driving the car with this big, gigantic dog sitting next to him. And, you know, Han needed a co-pilot, so that was just kind of his idea. Like, kind of, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, or wouldn't that be nice if that was his co-pilot? I think, and I, it obviously worked out perfectly, but it's just funny to see that parallel of, like, in your head of, like, Han and Chewie in the cockpit and George and this Malamute in the car, you know? Yeah. Yes, because George, like, he really loved fast cars and like racing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so you you know that he saw, you know, I think he really split Luke and Han between his character. Like he was that kid from a small town. So he had the Luke aspect. But I think he really saw himself as Han Solo, where he wanted <laughs> to go fast and everything. Yeah. So I do, I do picture that now, George and his dog cruising down the highway and George jumping into hyperspace or like faking it, you know, while he's driving and everything. So yeah, it's a, totally. it's a really great story. So then if we look at early concept art, so this was, and you actually brought this up because I started looking through some of these pictures of what Chewie originally looked like and I had totally forgotten about it, but the earliest Ralph McQuarrie drawing of Chewie turned out to be Zeb from Rebels because that first picture of him is very haunting. 
and it's weird, a rough yeah. version. Yeah, because Zeb is kind of scary looking, and like sure. a rough version of Zeb is basically what Chewie looked like. So he has pointy ears, a large mouth, big eyes. He is hairy, but he's not like Wookie hairy. Like he's more mm-hmm. like if a man had really hairy arms, kind of hairy, not like a big dog that was just super hairy. So right. and the thing that I had never noticed too is he's wearing shorts and they almost look like jorts in the in the this first drawing by Ralph McQuarrie. So Wait, I feel like I need I I'm gonna have to Google that later because I'm not remembering the shorts. I, I didn't either, but when I really started studying, I was like, he's wearing, why is he wearing shorts? That's weird. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'll definitely post that. And there's a really good article on StarWars.com about designing Star Wars and Han Solo and Chewbacca before Solo came out. And I'll post that in the show notes. And I'll also probably do after this an Instagram story of just all the stuff that we talked about. Cause there's a lot oh, of good idea. Like, yeah, really good. good stuff. But yeah, George, so he originally wanted a, fearsome warrior with a weapon at the same time that reminded him of his dog um (laughs) which is still in the finished version and after george saw the drawing that looked like zeb ralph mccory says george sort of liked this chewbacca but he thought he could be a little weirder so (laughs) i love that that was kind of the basis for a lot of things star wars related is like i like that but like let's get even weirder with it and so when they started out McCory says they were looking for a crafty lemur eyes, little rubber teeth, a frightening visage. And and I think that really describes Zeb really well. But then after a while, the ears rounded out a little bit and then they kind of went down. He got a little bit furrier. He looked a lot more like a big hairy dog. And there is actually a really good storyboard sketch from Joe Johnson, who did a lot of the storyboards for A New Hope. And mm-hmm. Chewie kind of looks like a cat. Like he, his face looks like a, a cat in this one, too, where he's got like cat ears and like whiskers kind of. And wow. yeah, it's just it's just crazy seeing how far it evolved from something that looked like Zeb, which I've always thought of. How would they do a live action Zeb? Because it'd be so hard. It would be really weak because also like the bot. Like the body proportions would be really strange in real life too, you know? Yeah. I mean, they could do it, but yeah, that would be interesting. I'm very interested because I've seen when they had, I don't know if it's at Comic-Cons or if it's Star Wars Celebration where they had the big Zeb, but it just looks like the cartoon Zeb. It's like very mm. cartoonish. So yeah, it's right. it's just kind of crazy how it evolved from Zeb to what we see with Chewbacca, who just, I mean, that's Chewbacca, fit in right away. No one blinked an eye when, when right. you watch him. Because, and we'll talk about it, but the first time you see Chewbacca is in the cantina and it's after you see all these even weirder looking aliens. And then we see Chewie and it's just like, oh, it's Chewie, you know? And I'm sure audiences in 1977 maybe saw him a little bit differently, but yeah, it's just uh, (laughs) quite the evolution for for Chewie. So going off of that, the way that they made his costume is extremely interesting. Do you want to walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, so Stuart Freeborn, who is the legend, the maker, the makeup supervisor and creature designer for the original trilogy, and the holiday special, uh, he <laughs> produced Chewie's costume. It's made of yak hair and mohair, which is a type of hair from goats. And so I, what I really liked that I saw from, I, I watched some videos more recently of them making Chewbacca costumes. And what I really thought was so cool was how 
they didn't want to just like glue the hair on. So they're actually sewing it through. So it looks like it's coming out. And that was, and they literally were doing like one hair at a time, which is like totally crazy. Like the, the amount of the attention to detail was so intense, but it really is effective. And yeah, it's like a, there's like a pants piece and then a, a shirt piece and then the head and I, I heard Peter Mayhew say in a clip that the the lips were um, magnetic or something like they were opposite magnets. So the mouth couldn't close. Yeah. And that's kind of why it was open all the time. Right. Or something like that. Yeah. And he said that his jaw would be because he still said lines in right. the original, which like the behind the scenes stuff. It's you so have good. to watch that. It's so good of him like Perfect. with his British accent and everything. It's so good. But yeah, he said that his mouth would be sore after mm-hmm. like every day because of opening his mouth because it took that much to to do that for five months or yeah. however long they shot it. For real. Yeah, I can't even imagine that. And one of the quotes that George said was that they wanted to do a combination between a monkey, a dog, and a cat. And he really wanted it to be cat-like more than anything else. But we are trying to conform to that combination. So, again, it goes from a dog to a cat to a monkey, a dog, and a cat to making it out of goat's hair. It just so much goes into it. And, man, Stuart Freeborn and those costume designers, they really, like, Star Wars would not be what it is without that crew and without all those creatures. Yoda, you know, is obviously one of his as well. And it's just, Mm -hmm. yeah intense how how they started that back in 1977 and that costume still holds up really well today and everything we see yeah and i feel like you can see kind of the bringing the cat thing up is really interesting because i feel like the cat influence is kind of present in those zeb sketches as well you know there's like a feline element to that so that's yeah for sure if if his hair didn't lay down so much and if you could see mm. some pointy ears he would look even more cat-like i think so yeah, yeah he's sure. not that far not that far removed from a cat but yeah another thing is chewy's voice and so chewy and the wookies have a very distinct dialect mm-hmm. and george said of chewy's voice that the sound was part of the foundation of what the movie was going to be so they took chewy's voice this character that didn't have a ton to say but the attention to detail and like the fact that that was part of the foundation of star wars to george just means so much and then when you read about what all went into it this was a ben burt thing and ben burt is the legendary sound designer if you're interested in ben burt Blast Points has a lot of episodes where they talk about mm-hmm. the sound design of Star Wars and they really break it down. So definitely check out Blast Points for those Ben Burt episodes and the sound design episodes because they are so good. But George told Ben Burt that Chewie might sound like a bear growling. And so mm-hmm. Ben Burt went out. He collected lots of bear sounds as well as walruses, lions, badgers, and he even says, and sick animals. And all sorts of things is what he was quoted as saying. So he got all these, he extracted bits and pieces and grunts. He said, mostly from bears to manufacture Mm -hmm. Chewie's voice. So, so much went into just Chewie's voice. I just can't imagine the process for literally everything else that they did. But one of the really 
really interesting things. And this was in an exclusive clip with Variety. He explains, Ben Burr explains, the sounds required spending time with a young bear from whom the building block noises to be used as Wookiee vocabulary were coaxed using simple bread as a reward. So he was in there with a bear coaxing it. (laughs) with bread to get chewy yes and so that has yeah they they added that in afterwards and then it's really funny because once Eunice got the part he does a really really good Wookiee and so he can the sound that he makes is sound so much like that that, but the fact that it evolved in so many different ways is just so cool yeah it's funny to see the p like there's a, a lot of like talk show clips on YouTube of like different people doing Chewbacca impressions and like I know I think uh, Bill Hader does a good one Benedict Cumberbatch does a really good Chewy and he and Benedict Cumberbatch on the Graham Norton show did the impression for Harrison Ford and it was very cute because you could tell he was like really excited Um, yeah yeah. that's like really fun is to hear people do the chewy voice and i also love the videos i know i sent i sent you one yesterday of when people like pull out a chair and the sound of the chair moving on the floor sounds like chewbacca those are always my favorite too the chewbacca chair yes (laughs) it's a classic great So let's now talk about the original Chewbacca, R.I.P. Peter Mayhew, who played Chewie in A New Hope, The Holiday Special, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Revenge of the Sith, The Force Awakens, which he shared with Eunice, and then he was listed as a consultant for The Last Jedi. He also did Chewie outside of things. So like the Muppet show and there was like a Donnie and Marie special that he did it in and a couple other things where he made appearances. Yeah. As Chewie, which those are really good. I definitely recommend to check those out, but yeah, he is, that is our original Chewbacca and the way that he got the part was super interesting as well. Yeah. So Peter uh, was, was around seven foot four. I thought I heard seven two, but that between so, seven two and yeah, seven it was four, listed, I'm guessing. It's listed on a bunch of sites as seven two, and then on his foundation page, it said seven four. So it's like uh-huh. I'm gonna go with the foundation page on this one. So he yeah. was very tall. He was very very That's tall. Really tall guy. Yeah. So he was working at a hospital in London, and there was a photo posted in a paper of him in the hospital. And producers for the movie Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger saw it and cast him because I guess they needed a very tall person. Um, and then Peter heard about the casting call for an extremely tall person for George Lucas's upcoming project and went for an audition. And I've heard him. I heard him tell this story that he said that he was sitting in the room waiting for George to come in and George came in the room and he, and Peter was like, because I'm British, when someone comes into the room, I stand up just to say hello or whatever. So uh, he said like the second that he stood up, he was like, hi, how are you? And George shook his hand and just like looked at him and was like, okay, I think this could work, (laughs) which is like really funny. So he pretty much got it more or less right away. And he studied the movements of bears, monkeys, and gorillas at the London Zoo to prep for Chewie. That's that's awesome. And it's funny, like the the way that he his eyes and body language were pretty much the only way to perform. Um, and 
it's you can tell like I, I watched a couple clips of Eunice talking about what Peter like taught him and how the the movements are you know you don't just turn your head to the side you have to kind of turn with your shoulders too and then how the arms are very like loose but Peter's just an, an absolute legend and I think we'll talk about this a little bit but all you ever hear about him is how wonderful he was with fans and how much he loved to interact with fans, how much he loved the character of Chewbacca. And uh, it's just, it's such a gift that we had people like him in the Star Wars family. Definitely. He's, he set the bar for what you love to see as a person who's working in Star Wars that just absolutely Mm -hmm. embodies the character and loves loves talking about it loves seeing the fans just loves everything you know and is super grateful for everything too and how much he put into it and especially with the mandalorian out right now we talk about how awesome pedro pascal and the stunt performers and boba fett and you know everyone with a mask darth vader but chewie was right there too and peter mayhew really goes pretty revolutionary too at that time of how physical he was with that role and what he did with it and how it's so distinct. It's not just a person in a suit like that is a, yeah. you know? Yeah. I and, feel like him and Anthony Daniels really have that in common as far as yeah. the original trilogy goes. Cause obviously Anthony Daniels was, was doing some pretty revolutionary stuff as well. And it's that same type of masked performance is just like so impressive. Yeah. And it's such a star Wars thing too, to like Mm -hmm. lead the way in that, because then you get to the prequels and then you have Ahmed best with Jar Jar Binks and it's, you know, pretty much setting the bar for motion capture and making that, you know, what it is today. So yeah, definitely way ahead of his time. And I love that he studied movements of, animals bears monkeys gorillas at the zoo like i can see him there (laughs) taking notes and just like standing there you know sitting there for an afternoon just watching these animals and and like getting into the character but yeah george lucas said about him that he was the closest any human being could be to a wookiee big heart gentle nature and i learned always to let him win so yeah he was he was just overall great guy like i said he has or he started the Peter Mayhew Foundation, which was a nonprofit mm. dedicated to the alleviation of pain, disease, suffering, and the financial toll brought on by life's traumatic events, which I thought was a really interesting foundation because that covers so many different things that you can think about. And yeah, he just he always always wanted to do good. He wrote a couple books. One was called Growing Up Giant, which was about being different. And then the other one was called My Favorite Giant, which was an anti-bullying book. So yeah, Mm -hmm. he had quite the life. He also honored with the Lifetime Achievement Award at the 97 MTV Film Awards, which he showed up as Chewie to accept the award. And it was like a thing where Chewie got his medal and everything like that. I think Carrie Fisher gave it to him. And yeah, so he... He was he was definitely a gem to have in Star Wars, and he passed away in April of 2019, which seems like so long ago, but it really wasn't. It and yeah, yeah really, he really made Chewie what it is, and and really passed it on to Eunice, who we'll go ahead and and switch to. He also has a very interesting story. So producers for the Force Awakens were on the worldwide search 
for a seven footer with blue eyes to match Peter Mayhew's eyes. So they wanted mm-hmm. someone that could kind of step in and do some of the more physical acting part of that. And Eunice played basketball at Penn state and then for the Finnish national team. And mm-hmm. I went to the university of Iowa for college <laughs> Penn state's in the big 10. And when I, and I knew that Eunice played at Penn state at one, like I've heard that before, but I never really thought about it. But I saw him play basketball. I literally sat in Carver Hawkeye Arena in Iowa City and watched him play four minutes of basketball because I had season tickets every year. I'd never left early. I never got late. I was there every game. And that means I saw him play basketball. And that just totally blew my mind that that's a thing. And (laughs) wow, I, I watched. Chewbacca play basketball in I think it was March or April of 2005 I think or 2006 I think it was 2000 March 1st 2006 right around there and yes I I saw him play basketball I'm so mad I met him a couple years ago at Planet Comic Con (laughs) got a picture with him and didn't even say that so next time I have a perfect icebreaker (laughs) so but yes he played at Penn State and then he played for the Finnish national team and his coach actually heard about the casting call and so he told Eunice about that and so Eunice had to send in a video of himself he didn't know what the movie was at the time of himself doing a caveman impression that's interesting yeah, I thought that was a really interesting thing and a way that they could get away with keeping it a secret that it's for Chewbacca mm. or that it's for Star Wars and just like making it very broad. And so he had his girlfriend take a video of him doing a caveman impression. And Eunice also, he grew up a big Star Wars fan. His his dad showed him the movies when he was very young. He said he wanted to be Luke Skywalker when he grew, grew up. So he was another one that was just really perfect for the role. So he was there in the force awakens with peter mayhew and then he was chewing the last jedi obviously solo star wars story and then the rise of skywalker so yeah eunice great guy yeah he he really is a a, a cool dude and you can tell that he grew up a star wars fan and as far as like the transition between him between peter and eunice they had a a good relationship uh, and Peter was able to teach him a lot about the things that I heard Peter say he taught him the things that Chewie would do and the things that Chewie wouldn't do, which I thought was really interesting. And, um, and it's good. I think it's cool that they got to work together on the force awakens so that, and then obviously uh, Peter was around for the last Jedi as well, because that kind of helped make it, more seamless you know and yeah so he this is a really big star wars fan and that's i mean that's why we you he was your wild card for mandalorian season two and i honestly like as much as that sounds crazy i you you started talking me into it like you started pulling me into the theory because he really does like he likes everybody's tweets and or Instagrams and he always comments and and he's like following everybody. And then he started like a little YouTube channel and it's like, you know, maybe he's bored or maybe he's going to be. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, I think you said at some point or something that he's still, you know, Wookiees live a long time. So there's still a chance and i think that 
Eunice would love to continue to be Chewbacca. I mean, you know, he is the current reigning Chewbacca, but uh, yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him again, but I'm sure we'll talk about that later. So anyway. <laughs> For sure. He's, he's all in. He he posted the other day, literally all it said was, I love Star Wars, or I really yeah. love Star Wars. <laughs> and I just, like, so I, I just looked at that and I was like, yeah, me too. Like me too. <laughs> That's he's got a point, you know. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's very in it. He has a YouTube channel. I mean, he's he's like in it. And so yeah, I hope I hope we see him. And I'm I I imagine we will. And yeah, Eunice, he's he's all in. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's go ahead and start getting into some canon history. And we are going to first just start with the prequel era. So let's get started with that. Your name is Chewbacca. Chewbacca, does anyone even know you were taken? No, but he says his homeworld is very close. So we're starting with the prequel era of Chewie's time in the saga. So where did we, chronologically, where do we first see Chewbacca? Yes, so... We see him in the Clone Wars, and he's in one episode, which aired, I think, in 2011. And it was the season three finale, and it was a big deal. I And I don't know how you are, but I didn't... I was a bad Star Wars fan. I didn't watch it every week when it came out. Mm-hmm. I saw episodes, like, here and there, but I really wasn't super into the Clone Wars at the time. Like, I wasn't setting my alarm to watch it every week. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I was a late adapter, so it was a really big deal, but they spoiled it like a month in advance. So he was in the episode Wookiee Hunt, and there was an article that ran in the New York Times in February of that year that basically said, Hey, Chewie's gonna be back in the finale of the Clone Wars. And it was just like, wait. Isn't that weird? That was only nine years ago, like plot twists or uh cameo, like all that stuff. I realized it wasn't as big back then. But yeah, it came out in like this big article and basically said, like, yeah, he's doing this. Peter Mayhew is uh consulting uh for the animation and he's That's also so doing cool. doing bad. some of the, the voices and everything. Yeah. Wow. So he, yeah, he, so Peter Mayhew is very involved. But yeah, it is basically an episode where Trandoshan hunters have taken ahsoka and a few other people hostage like they caught them and they were gonna let them out and do a hunt because the trandoshans are very long and complicated after reading the empire strikes back from a certain point of view but like super (laughs) not cool really bad people the trandoshans and this is if you're not familiar with the trandoshans that's bosk and his his reptilian type species so Mm -hmm. Ahsoka's there, she's caught, she's trapped by the Trandoshans. And then Chewbacca shows up as another captive. So the Trandoshans mm-hmm. caught Chewie, they bring him there. He has to help break them out. And like the moment that Chewie comes on screen in the Clone Wars is so cool that I'm like, why would you spoil that? Because it's it's like, yeah. it's almost a goosebumps type moment where you're like, whoa, Chewbacca, you know, like, I know who that is. It's a really music cue is killer. Like yeah, it's so it's good. so good, and yeah. So Chewie doesn't. I mean, you know, it's only a twenty-two minute episode, but he comes in. He basically saves the day. He meets up with Ahsoka, 
helps her and they have like a fight scene that they work together and he like gives her a boost where she force jumps and mm. they all get broken out the the other wookies show up because mm-hmm. chewie was able to contrap something together that he was able to call them and then the thing that really stood out to me about this whole thing and i know the whole episode was really good first chewie this like he already we already knew it from revenge of the sith like he knows the force is real but he's working side by side with ahsoka and then he visits the jedi temple which i thought was really cool and obviously they had to have some contact with yoda prior to revenge of the sith but it kind of set up that role but yeah it was i don't know it's a really really good it was very type minor you know thing but it also kind of set the stage for him in revenge of the sith even though that already happened. So we're talking chronologically, but this is where he really had that contact with the Jedi so that they could mm. help them out in the Clone Wars in Revenge of the Sith later down the road. Yeah, it's really it's it's a really cool appearance. It is so funny, like though they like I didn't know that that was spoiled before it happened. So it reminds me of like how the Phantom Menace novelization came out like the week before the movie and how the idea of yeah. that is like so unreal to us now like yeah and the and the soundtrack for the phantom menace came out and it was qui-gon's noble end before the movie came out you just can't even like yeah that's just the funniest thing yeah it's so hard it's so hard to imagine that world now (laughs) definitely no it 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 really is and yeah so that's so that's Chewie's first chronological on-screen hero moment. He that kind of I mean that does kind of change the trajectory of things where he helps us so like we don't know what happens to Ahsoka if Chewie doesn't help by calling the other Wookiees to come save them because mm-hmm. they would have been trapped and she was in pretty deep there. So yeah, he he plays a plays a big role in in an episode in the Clone Wars. Thank you, Master. You're welcome, my Padawan. And then, obviously, the other on-screen appearance for him in the prequel era era is Revenge of the Sith. And I should have started with the Clone Wars. I want to talk about age, because he was 178-ish, 179, 180 in that Clone Wars episode. And then we moved to the Revenge of the Sith, and he's... 180 years old in Revenge of the Sith. Right. So yeah, so Chewbacca appears in Revenge of the Sith when Yoda takes a battalion of of clones to Kashyyyk to help um to help the Wookiees and he's Lieutenant Chewbacca in the Battle of Kashyyyk and he uh is it's a s- small role. It's only about a minute on screen, but yeah, it's very very wholesome to see him interacting with Yoda. Uh, really so cool because even though Yoda is digitally there, his height compared to Chewie's height is just yeah. like so fun. And um, after, so yeah, so then when Order sixty six goes down, Chewbacca is on a is like on a platform type situation with Yoda and sees the clones turn on Yoda and sees Yoda slice their heads off. Jeez, I just hate Order 66. It makes me so sad. Like, I seriously have such a hard time watching it. I'm like, this is just not fun. It's so sad. But it's incredible, too. So they... 
see the clones go after Yoda and then Yoda slice their heads off and then they hit him and Tarful kind of like exchange words like we gotta get this little guy out of here and then they don't say that but you know and then um Yoda does this like crazy little like Chewbacca just like bends down his yeah. arm a little bit and Yoda just like jumps right up on his shoulders it's very like and it's funny to think that that was probably like when I mean I don't I don't even like consciously remember but when Revenge of the Sith came out that was probably like a crazy move but yeah. now with Grogu and Baby Yoda like that doesn't feel that crazy anymore to see like a little Yoda riding around on somebody's shoulders you know so but that's really cute and then they uh take Yoda to a ship of some variety that's going to get him out of there and he, and Yoda says Goodbye, Chewbacca. Which and he does he say I will miss you? Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Tarfur. Goodbye, Chewbacca. <laughs> miss you. I will. Yeah, it's very touching. It's very that's very chewy, that whole thing where they're like, okay, we mm-hmm. gotta get we gotta get Yoda out of here. And they they really because the clones are super after Yoda right there too, where they're getting him, you know, and there's the, a lot of them. <laughs> yes. There's, there's definitely a lot. So yeah, they get him out there. Chewie risks it all to save Yoda and really in turn, save the galaxy down the line with, you know, obviously Yoda needs to survive there as well for all the other events to other events to unfold. But yeah, it's very wholesome the way he climbs up on his shoulders and he sits on his shoulders like a kid would ride on your shoulders. Like he doesn't doesn't sit on one shoulder or the other shoulder. He gets on, straddles his legs around him and and goes on. So yeah, yeah, very, very small role in the prequel era, but his actions were were very big in that era. So after Revenge of the Sith, the next time that we see Chewie is obviously in Solo, a Star Wars story. Chronologically, the next time we see him is in Solo. We're going to be saying that a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Because we know it's not the next time. You know what I mean? So in in Solo, Chewie is right around 190, as we said. And it is his biggest role in all the movies it's the it's that origin it's that kind of not only like who is Chewbacca but like how did he meet Han and like their partnership is such a huge part of the Star Wars universe so to see that come to life was really cool in Solo and he is really more of a co-star in this movie as opposed to just like a sidekick or like in the background this is this is a place where i think he really shines and it's it's very it's a very physical role for him in this movie whether it's running and jumping on the magnet train or tossing han around in the mud pit or you know it's a really really physical role and yeah i i just man every time i revisit solo it gets better but anyway that's Neither here nor there. But um, yeah, so what are some of the, the most significant moments that you think are from Chewie's role in Solo? So let's start with the meeting with Han and Chewie. So we really, especially with Solo, we really broke it down into almost scenes because he mm. does play such a big part. But yeah, that first meeting with Han, Chewie is locked up by the Empire. And first off, that is 
a very big deal to the Wookiees. And this has played out in a lot of different medium where mediums where the Wookiees have been enslaved by the Empire. Right. And they're all just trying to get out and reunite. And it's a mess. And Chewie, we'll talk about it, but he has a very tragic life as well behind all of this because he was enslaved by the Empire. And then they throw Han. Han basically gets into it with Beckett. Beckett throws him under the bus. And so the Empire Mm -hmm. dudes are like, okay, feed him to the beast. And he's like, what beast? What are you talking about? And at that moment in the in the movie, watching that for the first time, you're like, oh, like here it is. Like we knew he was going to meet Chewie. But then they throw him down there and they say, feed him to the beast. He hasn't eaten in three days. So I'm thinking, was Chewie actually having to eat humans? Is that a thing? I don't know. But, but or did they, because the only thing that makes me feel better about that is that it was it was probably other empire defectors or whatever you want to call it so at least it was that's my head cannon. again we need to do another head cannon episode or, yeah or you could say he hasn't eaten in three days and they caught him three days before let's think per- of it that way okay perfect <laughs> yeah. I, my, that makes me feel so much better so yeah. So then we get chewy and it's mud chewy. So we get we get a lot of different that we're gonna talk about looks from chewy, and this is mud chewy. Later we get snow chewy and goggles chewy. We get all these different chewies. This is mud chewy, where he is drenched in mud. And this is the first time we see how kind of skinny-ish he is yeah. underneath all that fur where it's all matted down and everything. And it's interesting, like I'm not sure how they did it or why if it's just in my in my head because I know, but I feel like he looks younger, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Even though this is only what, 10 years, I think before a new hope. Yeah. He's, he is, he's definitely very agile and, and just a lot younger throughout. You can definitely tell he's, he's got a little bit more hop in his step for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, So when they throw Han down in the cell, this was after revisiting some of the movies, this is a constant theme of them getting thrown into a jail cell together. Mm. So mm. Han is thrown down into this pit with Chewie. And this happens two other times where mm. in the Empire Strikes Back, Han is thrown into the cell on Cloud City after mm. Vader. Gets him. So after he scares him basically enough to lure Luke away. After that, they right. throw him into the cell where Chewie has been locked up. And so then we get that in Return of the Jedi as well, when Han is thrown into the cell after <laughs> Leia saves him and they already have Chewie down in the cell. So it's a it's a constant thing of Han and Chewie meeting up in mm-hmm. in a jail cell and just getting That's locked true. up. Yeah. So it just it just keeps happening, keeps happening. But yeah, Chewie comes out. That first growl is so intense, so loud. He's just got all of this pain and anger and hunger behind all of this as well. And then they have their wrestling match, which is just so good. Han bites him. Chewie throws him through a pole and they come up with this plan. And Han Han speaks uh, Shriwook as well. And they come up to this, this plan together and then they end up escaping Mimban with uh, Beckett and Beckett's crew. So good. And then right after that, they get on the ship and maybe the most iconic Chewy moment. I don't know. The shower scene, right? And that's all I have in, in, in our notes. Shower scene with like 10 exclamation points. Shower scene. How are you feeling about the Han and Chewy shower scene? 
It's just, I think the reason that it's so good is because it's really short. So yeah. they don't like, they don't milk it as much as they could have, which would have kind of maybe made it like lamer or something. It's just so fast. Yeah. And it's like, and I feel like it communicates so quickly, like that Chewie already feel, feels either feels comfortable with Han or just like doesn't really care. Like, you know, it gives that like, that connection between them and then han's attitude towards him is is so quickly just like you really couldn't wait like he doesn't go like yeah. hey or like yell at him or anything it's just like really like <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. i love that so much because it shows han's feet and then you see chewie's gigantic feet step in right there it's so good chewie's just like we are you know, might as well get used to it. You know, like, yeah. I don't know where I'm going next. I don't know what we're doing. I really, I just need to just get clean. And then yeah. it shifts from that to the very next scene, which is such a great scene. And this is where we get Chewie's theme. I'm so glad Chewbacca got a theme. It's such a good song. And that whole scene with Han is just amazing. It really is. And that also shows like the beginnings of that kind of back and forth relationship, you know? Yeah. Because Chewie, obviously you can't, it's not translated, but Han in this conversation, it's really interesting because Han is translating for us. And so the first thing Chewie says is like, they only brought you because they needed me because they needed Chewbacca to help them out. And Han's like, no, like that's, they, they only took you because of me. And that's their first like <laughs> smart ass type, like back and forth, which is, which is just so good. And then it's perfect. And then Han asks him his name. Chewie says in Shrewook, Chewbacca. And then Han says, he's just like, nah, that's too long, man. I'm going to call you something else. It's just like, <laughs> No, you need to call him by his full name. Like he told you what his name is. <laughs> call him his full name. But yeah, that that's definitely the start of this extremely long relationship. And I think I heard somewhere in one of the videos I watched that his full, like whatever Chewbacca's full name is, it's like well, you wouldn't be able to pronounce it anyway. I forget where yeah. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And the way he says Chewbacca in Shrewook is like, I can't even do it, but it's like 10 syllables long because he does his yeah. little growl and then he like adds on another growl behind it. Right. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. But he's like, Chewbacca, I'm not going to call you that every time. Come on, Han. <laughs> so, what's your name anyway? <laughs> Chewbacca. <laughs> All right, well, uh, you're going to need a nickname because I ain't saying that every time. And then the the next scene after that that really stands out is definitely the the campfire scene with Beckett and Val and uh, Rio and Han and Chewie kind of just like preparing for the train heist and all that. And uh, and Chewbacca talks about his family a little bit. And that's the I love that part where Han says, I don't know if he said tribe or family. And Beckett said, what's the difference, which is just just good star wars stuff right there you know yeah uh, but it's cool to it's cool to hear chewie that chewie's talking about his family because you automatically are going to think about the holiday special yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure 
And and we don't have the holiday special in this canon <laughs> breakdown, but we probably will bring up the holiday special a couple times. But yes, uh, Chewie's family is very interesting. And yeah, that that line, it does. I mean, it's it, that's what Star Wars is about found family. I mean, it's about all it's about so many other themes, too. But that's a major running theme of the found family. I always think about Rebels, you know, number one is that found family. And this, that's what Han's realizing really with Chewie at this moment, because Han doesn't have his family. And then at the end of solo, he doesn't have Kira and it's like they're buds, you know, they're family now. And so, yeah, that's, that's just such a great line, but yeah, sort of going off the movies and into a little bit of the novels just to cover Chewbacca's family. So Lumpo and Malatabuk, which it's Lumpy and Mala were made canon in the Aftermath trilogy by Chuck Wendell. I didn't know that. Yes. So they are canon and they were also enslaved by the Empire and they got split up from each other. And then they were reunited after the liberation of Kashyyyk and Chewie found them again. And then Chewie goes into like a semi-retirement before The Force Awakens and like gets some family time. And there's still a lot that needs to be filled in there. But yeah, that's that's kind of a little bit of background about Chewie's family. That Chewie's family is canon, and it's really funny to me that yeah, Lumpy. I hope that if they ever do live action Chewie's family, that it looks exactly like the holiday special. Yes, I agree. You know what? Why not? Yeah, and another thing about Lumpy is that in the comics, I can't remember if it was comics or books, but they said that he was very valuable to the Empire because of his little hands, and that he could help them like get into small areas. So, yeah, sad because they were obviously like taken by the Empire, but like kind of like goofy at the same time. But yes, back to Solo. So this is <laughs> so the campfire scene. He also gets his double bandolier, which is mm. the first time we see that and really the only time because he doesn't really have the double bandolier in the original trilogy. But then it goes from that to the train heist. And now we get goggles, Chewie. And so now he's got goggles. He's got a big blaster that Beckett gave him as well. And the double bandoliers. And this is where, yeah, it's the convey X. You called it the magnet train, which I think is, is great because they are using the magnet things to like crawl across it or like walk across it. Whatever. It's a magnet train. (laughs) And yeah, Chewie big hero part here. Obviously like Han saves him from the side of the train. Chewie unhooks the conveyance really plays the biggest part, honestly, of being the muscle of the operation, which is also another running theme. But then afterwards, obviously Rio and Val are gone and they had their little run in with Enfys. And then after that scene, another like character building moment for Chewie was when Han is like, I'm coming with you, Beckett. Like, I'll help you get out of this. You know, I'm I'm not going to just leave you to deal with Dryden Voss because we screwed this up, which tells you a lot about Han because Beckett is even like, no, you should run. Like, just go. He doesn't know who you are. And Han's like, no, we'll help. And then it's the same thing that we see from Chewie all the time. Chewie doesn't hesitate. He looks at Chewie and Chewie growls, you know, and then Han's like, that means yes. Like he's yeah. he just he doesn't hesitate to do the right thing. And Chewie's just 
all in. Yeah, yeah, right away. And then, and then it's the that's this is my favorite. Some of my favorite Chewy stuff in Solo is on Dryden's yacht, which is also my favorite Star Wars ship. I'm pretty sure. Oh, so um, cool. I'm just kind of obsessed with it. But yeah, Chewie's like <laughs> this is where I felt like I felt like we were seeing a younger Chewie in this part. I don't know, like if he's yeah. just like a little more carefree or what. But he's just like he's just kind of looks ready to party and like as yeah. soon as they get into the party he kind of takes off on his own and yeah he's definitely double fisting beverages and you know he, i think he's eaten from the the buffet and all that stuff and yeah i just i love the whole thing like where han sees kira and then chewy says something to him and han's like yeah shut up or whatever yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. good it's just really good it is he's he's letting loose he definitely he's he was just enslaved by the empire like he deserves Mm -hmm. a couple drinks he totally does and so yeah he's he's double definitely double fisting and then dryden comes out which dryden again solo's so good it's so fun dryden voss still i think is the most underrated villain in all of dryden comes out yeah he's he's like the perfect amount of creepy and like suave cool type but yeah maybe we just have to do a solo podcast we might have to do that because yeah we're gonna probably just talk about solo the whole time yeah it's so it's so fun but dryden comes out and dryden shakes chewy's hand like he's super proper Mm. we don't see that a lot of times like when other characters meet chewy they're just like Hey, you know, oh, okay, that's Chewbacca. Oh, it's whatever. But Dryden's like, welcome, uh, Han. Welcome, Chewbacca. Shakes his hand. They go up, which I thought was just probably speaks more to Dryden Voss of how interesting a character he is. But the fact that Chewie's there putting down drinks, eating the buffet, you know, going up with this like big mob boss just is is, uh, really funny to me. So, So they go from there. Then they have the moment on the falcon and this is so they they meet lando Mm -hmm. and chewie doesn't do a a whole lot in that first sabacc game but then they go they get on the falcon and then there's another running theme of chewie playing dejaric playing space chess Mm -hmm. and this is he's playing against beckett and this part's really funny because he thinks like he tries to knock the pieces off yeah (laughs) And Beckett's like, no, like they're you, they're digital pieces. Like you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah, but he this is the first time. So this is the first time. It's a historic moment in the Chewy trajectory of him playing space chess because we see that a couple more times that we'll discuss. But yeah, and I like time, that. I like that Beckett is trying to tell, trying to teach him. Yeah. <laughs> you have to be thinking a few moves ahead. And I yeah. wonder if that like st- if that stuck with him, you know, throughout yeah. the rest of the adventures they had. It's like you got to keep thinking even even sooner than that to when they're on Kessel. You know, you've got to be thinking a few moves ahead. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I I definitely think that stayed with him. I love how Beckett is talking to him like, "You sure? Like you sure you want to do that?" Yeah. You know? It's like it's like you're playing it with like a small child or, you know, something where it's like, "Are you sure you want to do that?" And they like kind of switch it back like, okay. "I don't know." And then we go to Kessel, and this is a a pretty pretty big part for Chewie in this movie. So, this is the first time chronologically that we see Chewie faked as a prisoner but this is definitely Mm -hmm. not the last time this happens so many times and 
we'll talk about other movies, but it continually like he is always either you know he's obviously faked as a prisoner here on Kessel with Han, and then in A New Hope he's faked as one. In Return of the Jedi, it happens. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's in Jabba's lair. He's the one that has to sign up for that job. So it it just continuously happens where they use him as the fake prisoner. So this is the first time we see that, and then this is the time where we see him literally rip arms off of yep. a person yep. and this is obviously these are really bad like the mining whoever they are dudes and he did what he had to do and but then he sees other wookie prisoners and this is where right. him and han might split up for the first time where han's like or chewy sees the other wookies and tells han i'm going over here to do this and han's like no we need to do this and then he like turns around gives him his staff and is like go do your thing, Chewie. Like, I hope we meet up again, which is just another touching moment between the two. And then we get Chewie just kicking ass all over the place, helping out the Wookiees. We get Sogwa. We get another Wookiee, and it makes me think of Blast Point's Sogwa year, and uh, the the Sogwa continues, or whatever shirts they had made. But yeah, it was really, it meant a lot more seeing the Wookiees liberated after digging into Chewie's history and knowing that they were enslaved by the Empire, and Mm. just that whole history there, where seeing Chewie free these Wookiees after he had just been freed himself just it it definitely gives you a little bit more perspective on everything for sure and it's so significant when when we see other Wookiees because it happens so rarely I feel like you know it's like that time in Revenge of the Sith and then you know maybe a couple times in animation but we really haven't seen other Wookiees much you know so it's like so to see them in solo was really really intense and it just shows another layer of of chewbacca's history yeah no definitely and they they have like different looks too so it looks like they're like maybe from different parts of kashik or something but yeah they kind of yeah or if it's i i don't know if they've been captured for so long that they've lost hair you know i don't know exactly Mm -hmm. how all that works but yeah definitely different looks of the wookies as well but yeah sagwa is just yep the legend the legend continues so they go to the kessel run this is where they're on their way back to Savarine and Han is trying to make the Kessel run, right? And less than right. parsecs or whatever he tries to claim it was. And he says out loud, I could really use a co-pilot. Oh and this God, is where, I love like, this part so much. It's so this good. is where like things are still going okay at that point. Like they hadn't run into the Maelstrom or the TIE Fighters or anything. So Kira sits down in the co-pilot seat and it shows Chewie like sitting there behind like what the hell? Like I, I'm right here, you know. And yeah. then, but they don't know he can fly yet, though, right? Right, but they again unconscious bias. They don't like. They just don't think about it yeah. that you know Chewie's been been around probably and he could fly too. But yeah, so Han is like Han says he needs to defer, divert the power to the rear deflector shield, and Kira's like, yes, like we totally need to do that. And then she pauses, <laughs> and then Chewie just leans up, still standing up hits the buttons and like does it. And they both look at Chewie like we're, you know, and Han's like, when, when did you become a pilot? And Chewie's like, I'm 190 years old, man. Like, what do you think? It's so good. And that was like, I think that was ended up being in a trailer before the movie came out where he's just like, you're 190. You look great. Yeah. And <laughs> so that, good. 
that moment in the trailer was when I was already sold on Alden as Han Solo because mm-hmm. that I, I specifically remember that moment where I'm like, oh, this is going to be so cool. Like, I can't wait. It's great. And I love like, uh, you know they have as soon as he sits down they play the i love that she shifts the seat back to make more room for him and then he's uh he sits down and we get that little force theme and it's not like it's not like a super huge in your face moment it's just like he sits down and plays a little song and it always gives me chills and it's just and then as soon as chewy sits down and they start to fly together it's so clear that there's a difference that they obviously work super well together in flight. And it's like, as soon as they're pilot and co-pilot, it's like, that's the end of the story, you know? Yeah. It I'll, I'll talk about it more when we talk about the last Jedi, but Chewie is such a great pilot that Mm -hmm. there is such a big difference. If you watch, if you really watch that scene, Han is hitting everything. I mean, he is, He's obviously like getting around and everything, but he is hitting everything, running into all sorts of different things. And then Chewie sits down and it's just smooth sailing and it's just back and forth. And they just, yeah, they work really well together, but it makes me wonder who's really in the pilot seat. Like who's really in charge of that? Cause Chewie is just, is just so good. And then Chewie's the one that punches it to light speed, which is such a great moment. They make it back to Savarine. They run in, to Emphis Nest again. They do the old switcheroo at Beckett's place. And then Beckett takes him hostage. Basically, he's like, big guy, you're coming with me. I need someone to carry this coaxium. This was the first time I really didn't like Beckett in this movie. Too, yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, the whole time I was like, okay, I think this guy might be okay. But then he's like, Chewy, no. I need, And then he makes him carry the stuff all the way back. And then yeah. obviously Han comes back, takes out Beckett. And then we see that shot where Kira is leaving and mm. the moment that Chewie puts his arm on Han as Han is staring up as, as Kira is leaving is such a Chewie moment, such a sad, but he's there to comfort Han. And that is, you know, he's the big teddy bear right there. Yeah, it's so sweet. It's such a it's just a good little like, oh, sorry, bud, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, you'll get her next time. Yeah. <laughs> and then the end of the movie is just, you know, obviously they go, they win the Falcon back. They have that really funny moment where Han shows him his cards and Chewie does that growl, like terrible cards, you know, but he's obviously, you know, joking around and then they win the Falcon. The way that that movie ends though, with them both hands on the lever, they push it to light speed is just one of my favorite Chewie moments right there. It just gives me goosebumps. It's so good. There's also my, my other favorite solo chewy thing which isn't in the movie but there's a really great behind the scenes photo of uh aaron kellyman in her emphasis nest outfit but with with her helmet off and she's on chewy's shoulders and it's just the cutest picture ever <laughs> yes i definitely need to add that into the uh instagram story when i put this episode yeah. out yeah that's, <laughs> so a, good. that's a really good one okay so i think it's time to move on to the original trilogy now we're heading into the original trilogy era and this is the the first well we're gonna we're we're doing some star wars stuff because this is the first time we met chewie as viewers but chronologically 
you get the point. So, <laughs> so we're in the original trilogy. Chewbacca's around 200 in A New Hope, 203 in Empire, and 204 in Return of the Jedi. So we were first introduced to Chewbacca in A New Hope in the cantina. He plays the largest role in the original trilogy by any creature. And he actually has more screen time than Darth Vader in A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, which is pretty crazy if you think about it. But I guess it's kind of like, you know, Darth Vader was still super mysterious in 4 and 5, you know. So here, a general overview of Chewie in the original trilogy as a whole. What is his role? What's his, how do we see him in the original trilogy? So Chewie is a major hero in the original trilogy. Major hero. Bigger than I even thought <laughs> going back. And, yeah. and really, once you start thinking about it, he plays a very large role. So he has a lot of screen time, like you said, and he plays just as big a part as Han, Luke and Leia in a lot of their scenes together where he's doing just as much work. It's, it's just harder to see because he's not speaking basic, right? He's just speaking Shrewook and, and grunts and growls and everything. So you don't, you can't tell as much, but he really, really fits that mold that George was looking for with the man's, you know, man's best friend, the sidekick to Han in a new hope where Han like scratches him, you know, he's like, Hey buddy or whatever. And kind of scratches his neck like a dog. But then by the time we get to return of the Jedi, it doesn't really feel, it feels like there is a lot of growth there even between the three movies. So he also has a lot of really funny moments. He really adds a lot of comedy to mm. this trilogy obviously scaring the mouse droid in a new hope is a big one the way that he laughs at han in a couple of different areas is just <laughs> is just so good but yeah he plays he plays a really big role he is a he's a major hero he's one of our original trilogy heroes no doubt sure. so should we go ahead should we just start with a new hope and and work our way through it yeah let's do it So we're starting with A New Hope, and we first meet Chewbacca in the cantina when Obi-Wan and Luke go there to try to find a ride to Alderaan. And he's introduced to Obi-Wan by Bo Sheck in the cantina. And then they obviously go over, and then they, they agree to take them. And you kind of see the first like glimpses of Chewie and Han's relationship during that conversation. And then he's playing Dejaric versus R2 on the Falcon, which is the legendary let the Wookiee win line. It is kind of funny, like that whole scene is just great. But when 3PO is like, well, why doesn't anybody care about getting a droid angry or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, and Han's like, well, a droid is not going to rip your arms off. He's <laughs> like, oh, I think we're going to win. That's just good. And the classic Chewy move from uh, from the gif of him, like, putting his hands behind his head and just yeah. being <laughs> cool. He made a fair move. Screaming about it can't help you. I don't have it. It's not wise to upset a Wookiee. But, sir, nobody worries about upsetting a droid. It's because a droid don't pull people's arms out of their sockets when they lose. Wookiees are known to do that. I see your point, sir. I suggest a new strategy, R2. Let the Wookiee win. Then they are on the Death Star, and again, as you said, Chewie is used as a fake prisoner when Luke and Han go undercover. Undercover is a strong word, but they wear stormtrooper outfits. 
to try to get to Princess Leia. I really, really can't describe enough my favorite moment. <laughs> my favorite, probably my top three favorite moments in all of Star Wars, and definitely my favorite moment in A New Hope, is after they get inside that like little control room and they take their stormtrooper helmets off and Luke is trying to talk Han into going to save the princess. And, and Han just does this move where he like leans up against Chewie and just like puts his weight on him a little bit. And Chewie's just like standing there supporting him. And like, I remember recently, like I watched solo and then I watched a new hope. And seeing that moment after watching all of Solo, like, I was just, like, <laughs> like sobbing. Like, it was just, <laughs> it's just this, the smallest little moment, but it's one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars, period. I love it. It's just, like, this little lean against his, his BFF, and it's, like, you can see all of their relationship yeah. in that one move, you know? It's so good. It's just great. And then what about the 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 trash compactor? Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so they <laughs> there's, go in, some, there's some good chewy stuff in there. They go in the trash compactor and and Chewie's really freaked out. Really right. freaked out. And I, I don't know if that I mean, is it a sort of PTSD from being thrown in cells by the empire for so long where he's like not trapped again like really this is really my life you know this is happening yeah he's extremely freaked out and then they get out and that's where han is saying something to him and that's where chewie's like no like no i'm not doing that not going in there i'm not doing that and he's just he's he's totally totally freaked out he is that big teddy bear in that moment where he kind of loses his cool loses that warrior instinct that we that we have kind of seen obviously in solo and a new hope we hadn't seen that yet but yeah then they get out and again right when they leave the death star Chewie's the only one flying the falcon because han and luke are both in the gunner positions right and Chewie's flying on his own, in his own seat, again, evading all these TIE fighters, making all the right moves so they can be set up to shoot them. So, again, Chewie, is he the best pilot? I don't know. We'll continue talking about it because there's a huge difference when he is in the cockpit versus when Han is in the cockpit alone. And it's a continuous thing that is so subtle. But if you really dig into it, really watch it, it's, it's very prevalent throughout. It's true. Like he's not just a co-pilot. There are times where he's the only one behind the behind the wheel, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I never really thought about that, but you're totally right. No, for sure. And then we get Han saying that he's going to leave the rebellion, and Chewie gives him the growl, like, "Really? Like, are we really going to yeah. leave right now?" And he's that kind of angel on his shoulder once again. Yeah, I almost feel like that part that you were just talking about on the Death Star where Chewie like is just doesn't want to go to the you know he's like no way I feel like that's that was him just kind of realizing like maybe we're in a little too deep with these folks like (laughs) but then now as soon as Han says he's like well now I got the cash so I'm gonna go Chewie's I feel like Chewie's like well now we can't go you know like this choice and now but okay yeah we've come this far yeah 100%. And then 
they blow up the Death Star. Obviously, they come back in. Han and Chewie do. I, I still think Chewie was in Han's ear that entire time when they left. Between that time they left and came back, where Chewie was probably just letting him have it. Like really, like we just left them. That's not us, you know. We're we we've done all this other stuff together. This is actually a good cause that we're can be a part of. So they go through all that. Then we get the most controversial part of the original trilogy at the very end. Chewie doesn't get a medal, right? So when you really look, and there's a lot to this, and don't Google Chewie gets his medal or doesn't get his medal because there's like a million articles on this, and some of them are so... Can I say, like, I'm sorry, it doesn't bother me. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't think that Chewie would care. I'm, I'm sorry. Let's not get into that. But anyway. <laughs> no, that's exactly that's exactly right. And that's pretty much been written. Oh, right. Retroactively, and evidence of that. Right? Kind of into it. Yeah. So he doesn't get his medal in the context of the movie. It does look bad because Chewie, like I said, did do just as much as Luke Han and Leia in that movie. And he definitely should have got one. But. He did get a medal. It is shown in uh, a Chewbacca comic, Chewbacca number five, and also the Smuggler's Run Junior novel. And basically, in the comic, he gives his medal to a child who he helped out. And it was one where the child was like, we're not going to get credit. Like, no one's going to figure out that we helped. I can't, I'm not even sure the exact canon story, but they, you know, obviously saved the day like heroes do. And he gave the child the medal as like a, here, have this, like maybe this will make you feel better. And then in the Smuggler's Run junior novel, it is basically saying that he did get one, but he didn't want to wear it. He didn't do it for that reason. He didn't need to be awarded that in front of all these people. Like he's a Wookiee warrior. Like, is he going to stand up there and get a medal as a Wookiee? No, he's not. And That's it's for like, farm boy and, and smuggler. Like it just. Yeah. Yeah. It was no, it's a it's a great a great ending and he has the last word of a new hope as well. So yeah. yeah. All right. So let's move on to the Empire Strikes Back. What do you mean? Listen to me. Chewie. Chewie, this won't help me. Hey! Save your strength. It'll be another time. The princess, you have to take care of her. The Empire Strikes Back is 100% Chewie's darker middle chapter. He, he, just like all of our characters in Empire Strikes Back, he has a hard time. First off, 95% of this movie, Han and Chewie are trying to fix the Falcon, mainly Chewie. It just makes me think of how mad the internet would be today that 95% of the movie, like the Millennium Falcon, like this really cool ship from A New Hope wasn't running correctly. They couldn't go to hyperspace, like all this stuff. But Chewie is fixing the Falcon. He's sad. He's distraught. When Han and Luke don't make it back by nightfall on Hoth, he's really upset. Yeah, he's obviously when Han is put in, put into Carbonite, he's really upset. He's very sad, angry throughout this entire movie. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, in addition to like, he's obviously we see so much more of an emotional range from him in this movie. And I think you also see an element of his loyalty and his his protective nature towards his friends that shows in this movie more than 
ever in A New Hope. You see him obviously with Han and then getting like so angry at Lando when he betrays them. And and then even like going and gathering all the pieces of 3PO from the Ugnaughts and like fighting with them to make sure he gets all 3PO. And then trying to put 3PO back together, even though he's being such a pain in the ass about it. Like, yeah. Like yeah. About being backwards. It's like, I'm putting you to get, like, can you give me a break? <laughs> like, it's just, yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's just, so, yeah, really good. Empire was definitely a more character driven story than A New Hope. And we definitely see that with Chewie, even. And yeah, he's reunited with Lando. Lando sells them out, which Lando had to, you know, no fault to Lando. He does, he's the only one that goes back for C3PO, too. And that's just his compassion and him looking out for everyone because C-3PO disappears and everyone else just like goes on with what they're doing. And Chewie's the only one where he turns around, where's C-3PO? I'm going to go right. find him. And then he goes down and he fights the Ugnaughts, you know, and they're yeah. like, they're like playing keep away with C-3PO's parts. And he's like kind of fumbling all over himself, trying to gather them all up. And yeah, it's definitely a, a really good look. And then the moment on Cloud City when... Han gets put in the carbonite. That's when Chewie has a super loud growl. And, you know, right before that, he freaks out and he throws the stormtroopers over the edge. And Han is like, Chewie, chill out. You need to stay here. You need to protect the princess. That's your job now. And that kind of calms Chewie down where he's like, okay, that's my job. I know what I need to do. I need to protect them and and not do all this other stuff. And that can we can we take a moment and maybe I don't know. Maybe this is nothing. I don't know. But watching like the the clip of it today, it strikes me that when Boba Fett goes to like when Chewie has that little freak out, Boba Fett goes to shoot him and Darth Vader does stop him. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I feel like maybe that's nothing or maybe it's not like, I don't think it's because vader slash anakin gives a crap about chewie i don't think he does just because you know why would he but is it because he wanted chewie to be around to protect leia does vader really know about leia then no but right but then it's like did he you know or did he like did he just i don't know tell me what you think i think vader does things subconsciously a lot to not fully 100%, 110%, 110%, I'll say, go dark side. I'm taking over everything. Obviously, he does so much evil stuff all the time, but I think there is moments subconsciously. And there's a, a book, Lords of the Sith, which there's some moments in there where I'm not going to list them here, but it, I feel like there's a lot in that book where he, he kind of subconsciously does stuff. And that's a really good point because, yes, they're to protect Leia, but also they've They've been around each other before. Anakin in that Clone Wars episode, and they make out a point in that Clone Wars episode at the very end where Chewie is talking to Mace Windu and Yoda right? while Ahsoka is talking to Anakin and they're kind of like backs facing each other. So they're not like those two conversing necessarily, Mm -hmm. but they've been in the same room together. They've been right beside each other before so many years and so it's like Chewie saved Ahsoka. Even. Right. Maybe that's what it is. You know, I, Chewie Chewie saved his apprentice, his best friend, his Padawan in the Clone Wars. And Darth Vader knows that. 
still. Or, but then I think I also, but then I'm like, maybe not because I think I saw that there's some comic book where they like fit, where he like fist fights Darth Vader. I don't know if that was Legends <laughs> or Canon. So anyway, <laughs> then interesting thing to explore. They, I, and that's a, to yeah. put your head canon. I think that would be a good place for it. <laughs> That's a that's a really good one. I I I really like uh, that little that little, that thought right there for sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the end of Empire. He obviously consoles Leia, gives her a big hug because she's just as distraught about Han at that point. Mm-hmm. And then they take off. And then again, he kind of ends the movie here too, where he signs off with Lando. You know, Lando's like, "May the Force be with you." And then. Chewie has his loud growl that you can hear like in the background of the calm. And that's where we get that, that great shot of Leia smiling at the end of Empire Strikes Back. And that smile is like the perfect gif. You know, it's just that perfect Leia moment where it's like Chewie caused that. Chewie caused that little bit of happiness that Leia so rarely gets in her life, sadly. <laughs> Chewie, I'll be waiting for your signal. Take care, you two. May the force be with you. Okay, so let's go ahead. Let's move on to Return of the Jedi. And again, on Tatooine, he gets the short end of the plan to rescue Han and is handcuffed once again. And he has to stay overnight in Jabba's cell again. Like he's he's always taking the worst end of these deals. I know. I do wonder if he's like when they propose the plan, if if he's like down for it because he'll do anything to save Han or if he's kind of like. Is there any other way that we can do it? <laughs> is there any other yeah. possible way we Seriously. can do it? Seriously. Ugh, poor Chewie. Yes. And then Chewie and Han reunite in the prison cell once again. Oh, and again, this is the third time that it, it's so good. And they he gives him a big hug from behind. And then he tell he's the one that tells Han that Luke is a Jedi Knight. Right. And kind of like we were talking before with Chewie knows the force is real. He knows the force is real from the clone wars era. Han in a new hope mm-hmm. says he doesn't believe in that stuff. It's all luck. They've right. talked and hung out a lot. And now do you think this is Chewie's big moment of redemption with Han? Like Luke is a Jedi Knight. The force is real. <laughs> do you think I that's no part of me is like, is, I, part of me wonders if like Han is always saying like, Oh, that's a bunch of, that's a bunch of junk it's a bunch of crap and then Chewie just tells him like I don't know dude like I've seen some pretty wild stuff like and then Han's just like ah whatever you know like and then finally he's like uh yeah yeah like what does Han say he's like I'm gone for a little while and everybody has delusions of grandeur yes no 100% I think I think for sure Chewie after Han realizes all that is all that is real, all the force is real at Chewie's like, do you believe me now that you've seen it? <laughs> and I do love I just I love that like that hug they have and Han's just like, I'm all right, buddy, I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a great moment. Perfect. A, a Jedi knight. I'm out of it. For a little while everybody gets delusions of grandeur. Uh... So then they go back with the rebel fleet and again, Han signs up to lead the ground attack Mm -hmm. and Leia's like, I'll sign up to whatever. And then he looks at 
Chewy and Chewy or Chewy growls. Like mm-hmm. he signs up and Han's like, I didn't want to speak for you, big guy. Like, you know, I didn't <laughs> I didn't want to do that. And Chewy kind of growls again, like, Are you kidding me? Like, we've done this before. Like, you know, you know who I am, you know I'm in this. But I do like that Han wasn't just Yep, Chewie's coming with me. He, he Yeah, that is nice of him. Yeah, give him his well, own agency, you know. <laughs> exactly, yes. So then they go to Endor. And as the group is looking for Leia, who has just been captured by the Ewoks, or, or taken off as friends with the Ewoks, mm. Chewie finds the dead animal, springs the trap, and gets them all trapped by the Ewoks, which mm. at the time looks really bad for Chewie, like that he messed up really bad. Right. But in reality, that helps them find Leia and recruit the Ewoks. So if he doesn't do that, who knows if the, the scout troopers find them first. I don't Very know. But Chewie springing that trap probably helped the rebellion take down the Empire. It's a chain reaction. I mean, yeah, that it, it is in the literal sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> then we get the big battle. They team up with the Ewoks. Chewie's biggest moment is in the ATST yeah. in, in, in the end of Return of the Jedi. The way he gets on to the ATST, I'm sure I've seen Return of the Jedi a thousand times, and I'm sure I've seen this part. But when I was rewatching it, him and the two Ewoks swing like Tarzan. Yeah. Into the ATSD, and I don't know how I've like that blew my mind. I was like, "Wait, is this a new Disney Plus thing that I missed? Like a 4K?" I, I was like, and then I looked up. It's like, no, that's that's been in the movie for a long time. I I don't know. Blew my mind. I'm sure I've seen it before, and I just didn't have it at the top of my head. But yes, Chewie and the Ewoks swinging to glory was pretty great. What a team up it is. <laughs> so they go they go to the ATSD. Inside the ATST, he's kind of sweet. He's kind of swatting at the Ewoks because they're like hugging him. They're like all over him, and he's kind of swatting them off so he can pilot the ATST. And it really reminded me of in the Last Jedi with the Porgs, where he has to keep like hitting them away from him so he can pilot the Falcon. Right. So that was just a a really good moment. But yeah, he sets the charges with Han. They blow up the shield generator, which is very similar to the Force Awakens when Chewie detonates. Starkiller base and then they have the dance party at the end love the dance party and then the just that end shot beautiful group shot so good and Chewie's right there in the middle and he gets another handshake with Wedge Wedge shakes his hand so everyone's like hugging Chewie and then, wedge really yeah. <laughs> such, such a Wedge move for sure <laughs> So now we are finally moving into the sequel trilogy era and Chewie is around 234 to 235 during the sequels. In in the sequel trilogy, he plays a smaller role as most of the original trilogy returning cast members did, but he still has a lot of big hero moments. He still is a really important support for these new characters that we meet. It's really, really a, a, it's a hard time in the sequel trilogy that Chewie has. It's a lot of tragedy. It's a lot of his friends getting lost. And, you know, you might, you have to assume that being a Wookiee who's friends with humans, but you live a really long time, like that's (sighs) hard. And, and we, we have to see a lot of that come to, 
to fruition in the sequel trilogy, which is a bummer, but you know, and he gets shot, which, which I want to talk about. So anyway, let's keep talking. <laughs> yeah, no, the fact that he does outlive humans really makes me think of the Mandalorian where yep. we know Grogu is definitely going to outlive Din Djarin, which yeah. how many humans is Grogu going to go through? You know, how many best friends is he going to go through in his life? It's tragic. That's it yeah, it's uh, definitely upside of living 900 years, but also a lot of tragedy throughout those 900 years. For real. Yeah. So starting with The Force Awakens, the first shot of Chewie and Han coming on the Falcon is probably the most iconic Chewie shot of the whole sequel trilogy. Chewie were home. It was shown at Celebration. People went crazy. People's heads were exploding. Just a great moment. And then, yeah, right away with Chewie, we get the face off with the Guavian Death Gang and Kanja Club right from the beginning. So they're they're right in the thick of getting into hijinks, him and Han. What does Maz say? You're back in the mess. Yeah, exactly. And then, yes, Chewie gets shot, which right from the get-go, we should have known that the sequel trilogy was going to be tragic for our OT characters <laughs> because yeah. like, oh, they're even shooting Chewie in this sequel trilogy. Things are going to get dark. <laughs> like, we should have known. We should have known from that moment that things were going to go south. It's true. And then he has that really great moment with Finn where Finn's trying to patch him up and Chewie like freaks him out and scares BB-8 and Finn's like, can I please have some help? And Han's yeah. like, better not hurt that Wookiee. And Finn's yeah. like, I'm not doing it. It's just very good. Um, and good then, yeah, I absolutely love Maz Kanata's love for Chewie. I think it's a it's a real um, dream pairing. I love yeah. Where's My Boyfriend. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. love that moment a lot. It's, it's, it's so good. Such a great Moz moment. And it makes me think, where's Chewie's wife? And why is, like, obviously, Moz just has a huge crush on Chewie. And <laughs> it's like, where's my... I like that Wookiee. Yeah, because Han's just like, ah, he's he's back fixing the Falcon. Like, yeah, I wish we would have got more Chewie Maz in, in the sequel trilogy for sure. I agree. So then Han and Chewie meet up with Leia. We get a really great another hug. Again, another theme of Chewie is that he hugs all of our characters. And yes, we get the, the big hug with Leia. And then they go to Starkiller Base to find Rey to take out Starkiller Base. And this is tragedy han's death wow after all this stuff that we just talked about with han and Chewie being best friends going into hyperspace together getting into all sorts of different sticky situations now he watches his best friend get killed by his best friend's son kylo ren i just yeah and like re-watching that moment today i had never really like i don't know it's like maybe just the fact that han solo was dying and then everything that was going on kind of like in subtext with him and and ben slash kylo in that moment i never really thought about how wild it is that chewie shoots him and that i and i feel like i don't really hear people talk about that a lot because like chewie knows him or at least maybe in maybe in chewie's head he was gone you know there was no saving him maybe I don't know, maybe Chewie had like lost hope for him when he saw that. And 
but I, it's, it's a very big move to shoot him. <laughs> like, I never really thought about it, but like, wow. I mean, fair, like he, in that moment, I, well, you can't say he deserved it because there was a lot going on there, but yeah. like, I don't know. Very impulsive for sure. Chewie definitely was around some when Ben was smaller. At least a little. I'm... But I mean, he he knew who it was. But yeah, that mm-hmm. right after that, he goes on a rampage, takes out stormtroopers, like doesn't miss, just takes out everybody. <laughs> but then when we get Kylo Ren versus Ray and Finn in the forest, that's why. F- Kylo Ren is so hampered in that moment and Rey is inherently powerful with the force. And so she can take care of herself and she's, she's a scavenger. She's, I mean, she's fought off all sorts of, you know, different people, but the fact that Kylo Ren trained in the dark side, very powerful with his lightsaber, but he's like punching himself, you know, and the blood's coming out and like they let up that entire movie about how powerful the crossbow is because even at the very beginning, Han's like, let me try that. And then he's like, yeah. Oh, I like this, you know? And it, and it shows them like the stormtroopers get blasted way far back after they use that on them. And so the fact that Chewie shoots Kylo Ren with that bowcaster, like that is a super powerful hit. And like I said, I, when I met Eunice a couple years ago at planet comic-con, he did a Q and a also. And so, and it was like a small panel, not a ton of people were there. I asked a question, like I got in line behind like two 12 year olds and um, <laughs> got up and, and my my question was, who's the best pilot? Who, who do you consider the best pilot in the galaxy? Which fit in with the 12 year olds questions very well. But one of the questions was, this was before the Rise of Skywalker. I think it was, it was after Last Jedi before Rise of Skywalker. Okay. And the question was, do you think Chewbacca could ever forgive Kylo Ren? And Eunice's answer was he didn't think so because he didn't know if Chewie had the capacity to fully understand what happened. I thought that was really interesting because in my mind, Chewie would like Chewie knows what's going on. He's very aware. He he knows what's going on. But at the same time, I don't know how Wookiees react to their family getting killed or, you know, it doesn't matter who did it. You know, Han was his best friend who he had spent the most time with and he just got killed. So I I don't know. Yeah. And maybe, maybe Han didn't let Chewie in on a lot of like the turmoil that went on with Ben. It was just like Ben was Kylo Ren was my son and now he's bad. And like, maybe that it was, it was kind of more black and white for him and there wasn't as much gray. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's definitely definitely a lot there. And seeing there was concept art for The Rise of Skywalker that had them meeting up when Chewie got captured that we never got. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd love to get inside Chewie's brain for, for that question. A lot going on. So he sets off the charges inside Starkiller base and that allows Poe and the resistance to really get in there, take out Starkiller. He goes back, gets the Falcon, saves Ray and Finn from Starkiller base blowing up. And then at the very end, he gets to go 
with Rey to Octu. And also another big controversy in The Force Awakens was that he didn't hug Leia. Turns into a whole thing, which it's one of those so small things that, again, don't Google it because there's way too many articles on it. But yeah, he, he walks by Leia when they get back and she hugs Rey. But Chewie was there. Chewie talked to Leia. It all it all worked out. So he goes off with Rey to Octu. Yeah. That leads us right into The Last Jedi. And the big first Chewie moment is when they're on Octu. Luke goes back to his hut. Chewie blasts the door open. Well, kicks the door open and growls really angrily at Luke. Like, where have you been? Like, we have been looking for you for years. We could have really used your help. And Luke's like, Chewie, what are you doing here? And my favorite part of this whole scene was that Chewie's speaking in Shriwook. Luke understands that. He's mm-hmm. he knows who Chewie is. He understands that. But Ray is like translating anyways because she's like, <laughs> he says you're coming back. And and Luke is staring at Chewie the whole time, not even looking at Ray because he's having a conversation with Chewie. Yeah. He knows what he's saying. Right. But yeah. And then we get the uh, he's like, we came here on the on the Falcon, is what we assume Chewie said, and that's where we get Luke's "Where's Han?" and then Chewie has that super sad look once again. Yeah, and you have to think that maybe ripping the door off and approaching Luke like that—it's only a day after Han, or maybe yeah. a couple days space travel since yeah. that whole thing went down. Like he's probably feeling angry at Luke in that moment, where it's like what's the deal? Like, you know, like, yeah. and I, I don't blame him for that. I mean, you know, I'm sure that changes with time, but in that moment, I'm sure Ray probably went back to the ship and was like, he won't talk to me. And Chewie was like, what do you mean? He'll talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, no, for sure. Up there. What are you doing here? He said you're coming back with us. How did you find me? Long story, we'll tell you on the Falcon. Falcon. And then we get the great moments on Octu with Chewie and the Porgs. And there's a children's book that I got for my daughter a couple years ago for Christmas that we read. It's so good. Yeah. We read that book every night. And it's basically when the Millennium Falcon landed on Octu. It landed on the Porg's winter supply of food. And so when they landed on that, the Porgs didn't have any food. And so they were bugging Chewie so bad. They were all over him. They were getting in the Falcon. They were getting his uh, blue puff cubes or whatever they were called, eating eating his snacks, doing all this stuff. Chewie got so mad, but then he finally realized why they were so hungry. And so Chewie sets out helps them find a lake so they can get more food and it's just such a sweet and it it, it kind of makes up for the in the movie him eating almost eating a porg which again headcanon that wasn't a porg that was some sort of weird fish that looked like a porg that washed up on shore or something but yeah that moment with the with the one porg where he's just like giving him the super sad eyes just set up the whole movie for the chewy and the porgs back and forth is so good <laughs> the last jedi is probably his smallest role in all the sequel trilogy films he probably has the least amount of screen time he drops right off with the first order 
And this is where she's like, hey, tell Finn. And she trails off and then he growls like this, this, this. And she's like, yeah, tell him that. And that's another just kind of a a sad, like, I I don't know. He's dropping Ray off. He doesn't know if she's going to, he's going to see her again even. And, you know, what is he going to tell Finn? He's like, I I just dropped off Ray with the first order. Like you wanted me to tell him that. So then we get to the battle of crate and this solidifies my position that I've already talked about a couple times that Chewie is the best pilot in the galaxy. I think I'm with you on this. Yeah, for real. They show up, they take out all the ties. Chewie is still piloting from his co-pilot seat, which Mm -hmm. I still think that like that is the actual pilot seat. I think the L3 was the real pilot with her and Lando. And I think that Chewie has just been the pilot, but he's piloting by himself as Ray is in the gunner position. And his piloting is so smooth. It's so much better than everything that we see with Han because Han is always, Han's a great pilot. He's always running into stuff. He's always (laughs) hitting things that he shouldn't. It's just not as smooth. When Chewie is in this, that whole battle on Kray is so good with yeah. the Millennium Falcon going through the Crystal Cave and all of that. And he's just, he's so smooth with it and he knows exactly what he's doing. And yeah, the way that Here They Come plays during that moment too, it is just, ugh, man, the yeah, last not, not every, well, it's so good. Not every co-pilot could, could do that. You know, when you're, when your pilot has to go do something else. Yeah. He, yeah. He's fast. He's quick on his feet. And he's doing it with porgs all over him where he's having to knock them off. Also true. Then, yes, the Last Jedi ends with them all on the Falcon. He gives Leia the big hug and she says, Chewie. And yeah, just such a a great moment. So let's go to our final movie, The Rise of Skywalker. Let's talk about Chewbacca. (laughs) So this opens up with another Dejarik game. And this is versus Finn and Poe, where Poe says that Chewie beats them every time. He's like, how do they do it? And he's like, oh, this guy, this guy right here, he cheats. I actually do think, I think that that part is very funny. I like it a lot. (laughs) It was a good way to start the movie, honestly, of something that was familiar, but it was it wasn't super fan servicey because they were having a diff- different conversation, and it did show character growth with Chewie. He got much better at space chess because he was beating them every time. They they want to say he cheated, but he had a lot of practice on that space chess board for sure. Has anyone done like a fan edit poster of like? The Queen's Gambit, but it's Chewy with a the jar the Wookiee's Gambit or something. I, I think they need to if they haven't. Yeah, that, would you? <laughs> For sure. He can't beat us every time. Yeah, apparently he does. How does he do it? This guy right here? It's because he cheats. I'm kidding. Oh, come on, take your you're turn. 250 you're taking years forever. That's cheating. That's why we think you're cheating. So then they go into light speed skipping. Again, Chewy shows that he's the best pilot. He's the one keeping Poe on track. Poe for some reason, isn't good at piloting the Falcon. I don't know why (laughs) throughout this movie, Poe doesn't know how to fly anymore after he's such a good pilot in 7 and 8. But he is, Chewie has the idea right at the beginning to boulder the ties, to take out the TIE fighters. And Poe is like, 
good thinking, Chewie. And then he relays that to Finn and Finn's like, oh, I was just thinking that. It's like, that was Chewie's idea. <laughs> like Chewie <laughs> knows what he's doing with the Falcon. And then he gets mad at Poe for doing it. He obviously makes a comment saying like Ray wouldn't approve, which I thought was a, a nice touch. We move through the movie. He gets reunited with Lando. Another hug. Very touching moment. Love it. And then the death fake out. And this moment in The Rise of Skywalker, i that's when I held my breath the most in that movie, where I was just like, what? Like, are they really going there after all of this? Are they going to do that to Chewie? How did you feel when you saw the Chewie death fake out scene? I knew that we had seen an image of him and Lando in the cockpit. And so I knew that he wasn't dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so bad about that, about trailer stuff. Like I watch all the trailers right. when I'm watching the movie. I never think of that or I like don't have the mental capacity to compartmentalize all of that. So I was holding my breath that entire time until Chewie got back on on screen. Yeah, I just so, I remember thinking like, well, we haven't seen this yet, so he's probably not really done. <laughs> yes, for sure. So then our heroes have to go save him. They they risk everything to save Chewie. Ray senses that he's still alive. And so this is where we get naked Chewie, which Blast Points talks about a lot because he doesn't have his bandolier on, doesn't have anything on. We get naked Chewie running through the hall and taking out stormtroopers. Hux saves them. And then the saddest part of this entire movie is when they get back to the base and they're told that Leia is gone. Chewie's reaction there is the saddest thing ever yeah i hate it it's just it's just sad and and bad but it's good but it's bad but it's also very eunice i think which i'm not saying that's bad but i also think it's very uh beautiful yeah i mean sad beautiful but yeah it's acted very well Definitely. very right. because yeah when you think about the fact that he didn't all he's using is his Lim- very limited face and and body movement it's yeah it's incredibly impressive because it really does hit emotionally for sure yeah mm-hmm. definitely yeah so that whole scene yeah definitely sad i don't like watching it because seeing chewy in that much pain because it is it's a culmination it's not just like obviously like it's the final straw for him where he's mm-hmm. seen all the like han was gone in seven luke was gone in eight and now He's losing land. There's a really good fan vid of Chewie's tragedy throughout the sequel trilogy that he loses. And it like goes back and forth with with all the his moments with the OT characters and then when they die. And yeah, tragic. Star Wars is tragedy. Like shout out to Sky Talkers. Yeah. And then, yes, he shows up with Lando for the big battle in the Falcon. They win the battle (laughs) and the big celebration at the end. Maz (laughs) gives him a medal. Yeah, to me, like, that was kind of, that was a thing where people were like, oh, it's, that's kind of dumb that that he, that she gives him a medal. But to me, it was so blatantly obvious that it was Hans because Leia was holding it and then she died and Maz was there and then she gives it to Chewie. So it's like kind of a duh, like, to me anyway, but you know. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there it is for sure. So he got, he got his medal on screen. And then he gets to hug Rose during the celebration, which like shout out to Rose Tico. But yeah, that is what we know of Chewie. That's his journey. That's the behind the scenes. 
that is his on-screen canon journey. And wow, Chewie is Chewie is quite the quite the character. Mm-hmm. He really is a legend, an absolute icon. So much that came after in fiction and media is inspired by his relationship with Han. And yeah, it's good stuff. Definitely. So after all of that, who is Chewbacca to you? To me, he's he's the most loyal and reliable person. Like, if he's your friend, you know that if he's around, you're going to be okay. You know, that's that's chewy to me is like just true, unfiltered trust and friendship. And he's also like really smart. And I don't think gets enough credit for that because he's he can fix pretty much anything and, you know, like that he comes into contact with. And like you said, underrated pilot and just the coolest dude, just a cool dude, you know? Yeah. Just someone you want to hug for sure. He, He is definitely the ultimate team player, always there to do what's right and always there to get the job done, no matter if that means ripping people's arms off or if it means faking being a prisoner or anything. And another thing, like Empire Strikes Back, when they get caught after he fakes being a prisoner, he's in the cell, and then Jabba's like, you're going to get fed to the Sarlacc and be digested for a thousand years. Again, Chewie gets the rough end of that because he is going to live longer than all of those other, you know, Luke and... Leia and Han, like they're not going to last 400 years like Chewie. Like he again gets, so he's, he's there to do what needs to be done. He's always on the right side and yeah, he's more nuanced than I I thought. And he's more involved and plays a bigger role than, than I realized before really yeah. digging into him. So what's next for Chewbacca? Where do we see him next? Do we see him soon? Are we going to see him in one of these 10 shows? Is he going to show up? He, he spans pretty much all these shows that we're getting. He's alive except for the acolyte. He's, he's alive. And then he's still got a lot of years to go post sequel trilogy. So we should be seeing plenty more Chewie. I think the next thing in the lineup Besides Bad Batch is, is the Boba Fett book, the book, the Boba book. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be calling it the Boba book. So everyone. Book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he could be in that, man. He could show up. He knows that spot. I don't know why he would want to go back there. But if he had to for some reason or had to yeah. call, I don't think that him and Boba Fett would be friends. <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. He, he definitely definitely knows Boba. And yeah, <laughs> another character that he knows is Ahsoka. And like I told you, him and Rosario Dawson follow each other on Twitter. And that's such a weird, why would she, why would she follow? I don't know. I mean, obviously she's a Star Wars fan, but yeah, yeah. but I don't know. So I'm like Star Wars. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm holding out hope that, between Ahsoka and Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, we're going to see Chewie. So if for nothing else, just for Eunice, because he is so into that character and he is ready. Like his phone is on. He's got the ringer on at all times. He's waiting for that call. I know he is. He's ready. Oh, to you, know, you know where we could see him. That makes even more sense than Boba book or Ahsoka. The <laughs> Rangers of the new Republic. Yeah, that's very true. They call him. 
Yeah. Ring? I don't know. Absolutely. He could definitely help them out in some way. Yeah. It'll be that's, interesting. That's, I think that could be it. Definitely. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing Thank my you. fingers. Perfect. Well, I think that wraps it up. That is our first chain code character deep dive. This is probably our longest episode yet of Force Time. And it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this. It was fun to focus on one character and watch the saga and see all this stuff through a different lens because it definitely makes you think about things a lot differently. Just adds so much perspective to to what you see in Star Wars. I was just going to say that, you know, Chewbacca is cool, man. And and looking at him through that like deep dive lens is really super fun. And I'm glad we did it. Absolutely. So Kara, what do you have going on? Where can people find you? I know your shop opens up next month. You got your zines going. What's going on? Yeah. So as always, I am not on the Twitters, but I am on the Instagrams. And my Instagram is now into a larger world by Kara with a K into a larger world, which is the name of my zine by Kara. And you can check me out there, see what I've been working on. February issue is approaching faster than I'd like to think about right now. Um, I'm actually going to be working on February and March, like simultaneously, I think, which is kind of cool. And then, yeah, my shops are reopening on Friday, February 26th, and I'm going to have some special new stuff. And I have a Patreon where I am constantly rambling and yeah, subscribe to the zine. It's cool. I second that for sure. Check Kara's work out. Follow her on Instagram. Sign up for the zine. Definitely check out that print shop when it opens next month. You can follow the show on Twitter. Still on Twitter, even though trying to get talked out of it. Um, at, <laughs> at Force Time Pod. And on Instagram, a little bit more active on Instagram at Force Time Pod. You can also leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It helps somehow people find the show and we've gotten a couple of those a lot of fun when those come in and yeah so that wraps up our first chain code in a series of character deep dives and until next time may the force be with you